Hey guys, do you want to learn how to help your children cope with change with a simple, simple method and technique that you can use right now? Stay tuned after the intro and I'm going to share with you exactly how to do that. Welcome to the Apparently Parent Podcast. My name is Iran Katz and I'm a clinical psychologist, a parenting counselor and also a father. In this show, we combine the art of parenting with the science of psychology. So if you want to understand your children and yourself better, lead your family into calmer waters and reach the end of the day with a smile on your face, you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Iran Katz. All right, welcome guys to the 33rd episode of the Apparently Parent podcast. I am really excited that you're here today, A, because it's the 33rd episode and, you know, 3-3, it's a nice number, and B, because I have something really great to share with you today and it's a nice game or technique or method or call it whatever you want to call it, but it's going to help your children cope with change. Now, I have to say that this is geared more towards the younger children. So if you have children around the ages of two to six, this is really for them. Older children may already feel this is, you know, not for them because they're older. They see the world in a more complex way. They have a better ability to express their emotions, etc. So this is more for the toddlers and, and little kids, preschooler kids, all right? So what I'm talking about when I'm talking about change and coping with change. So let me share a personal story with you guys. So it all started a couple of years ago when my wife went on a business trip to London. You remember those times, those distant days when people used to fly around? Yeah, those were the days. Anyway, our boy uh, was around two and a half or three years old at the time, and we only had him. We didn't have his younger sister yet. And, you know, I'm not sure it was the first time that she went on such a trip, Uh, but this time it, it was really different because he was old enough to really understand what was going on and to talk about it and express his feelings about it. So the trip went rather fine. He and I spent a lot of quality time together. And thanks to modern technology, we could see and talk with his mom at any given moment. I distinctly remember uh, a time when he and I were at home and we talked with his mom uh, over video, like FaceTime chat, and he told her that he really wants her to be back already. And it was kind of halfway or two days before she had to uh, go back and we were all emotional about that. And that's a memory that, that lingered. So how did we help him go through this separation as smoothly as possible? We, of course, prepared him for it. Now, how do you prepare a child to change? First of all, you have to talk about it. You have to tell the child what's going to happen. So if you're moving to a different city, if, you know, the school is closing down because of COVID, so this is more sudden, but, you know, that can happen. If one of you guys have to go on, on such a business trip, no, no, no matter if it's abroad or not, uh, any kind of change that you can foresee, of course. I'm not talking about the, the kind of changes that can be a surprise, such as a sudden death in the family or something like that. So I want to share with you a specific way uh, we used in order to help him understand what's going to happen and, and to prepare him for that. And that was creating a story. And 
we actually wrote a story for him, a little booklet, if you will, in order to help him cope with the change. Now, why stories matter and why stories really help in such a situation? You have to understand that your emotions and your children's emotions are really important for your survival. We humans have evolved, not only humans, by the way, but we humans have really complex emotional systems that help guide our way through the daily you know, events and struggles of life. Now, when we let ourselves truly feel our emotions, like really feel what's going on inside our bodies, inside our minds, what are we feeling, we can better understand ourselves and our environment, and we find adaptive ways to act. Because every emotion is kind of a compass, if you will. Uh, It shows you the way you perceive the world and you want to react to the world. Take, for example, the emotion of sadness. Sadness is one of the fundamental emotions that we all have. We call that in psychology sometimes a core emotion because it's in the core of of the human psyche. So this is an emotion that basically says, hey, there's something wrong. There's something that is now missing from your life. And when you feel sad, you usually feel like you want to slow down. This is what depression feels like, right? You're slowing down. Everything is heavier. Now, this slowing down is actually a survival mechanism that helps you to protect yourself. It helps you to mourn the thing that you lost. Now, we humans, especially humans, are social beings, social animals. And sadness also helps us reach out to someone so we won't be left alone with our feelings. So that was one example of how emotions move us from one state to another and kind of helps us understand where we are in the world. An easier example would be fear. So if you're walking down the street and and you hear a loud bang, you're startled. You feel afraid just for a little second because the emotion of fear signals to you that something is dangerous around you and you have to pay your attention to that. It also prepares the body to react to whatever uh, danger may come. So this is what is known as the fight-or-flight mechanism. But broadly speaking, feelings are feelings can be hard for us. What do I mean? For many reasons, we, we tend, as we grow up especially, we tend to suppress our feelings and not express them as we should. Okay? And one of the reasons for that is that we learn to not feel as we grow up. Now, be honest with yourself for a second and think about your own childhood. Have you ever been told to stop being angry? Or have you ever been told that there's nothing really to be sad about? Now, I'm sure that you have because, you know, it's hard to find someone who didn't hear that from his parents or his grandparents or a teacher or something like that. Now, those messages, they come from a good place usually. Because they usually aimed to calm us down. You know, you see a, an angry child or you see a stressed child and you tell the child there's nothing to worry about or stop being angry and just be okay. It's supposed to calm you down. And in a parenthesis, it's also supposed to calm the parent down. But it also gives you a very a strong message that those feelings are unacceptable by your 
caregivers, by your parents or teachers. Sometimes you may even feel that those emotions are dangerous because those bigger and wiser attachment figures, as we call the parents, they can't really handle that. If they could have handled that, they wouldn't have told us to stop feeling that, right? So this is how we learn to wipe those emotions and push them under the carpet instead of really feeling them to their fullest um, existence. Now, when it comes to your children, especially the younger ones, there's another reason why feelings are hard to be felt, okay? Even if you are the most accepting parent in the world, you have no problem with accepting every emotion and handling every emotion, your kids may still have a hard time expressing those emotions. Why? Because they need to learn about the emotions before they are able to express them in a different kind of way other than just crying or, or, or screaming, which is what they used to do when they were babies. Children need to learn how each emotion feels, what it's called, what it means. They need to learn how to identify the emotion inside their own vibrations, in their own bodies. And when they learn to name the emotions, they are better able to express their emotions and then they are better able to regulate their emotions. As, as the wonderful parenting experts and, and writers Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson say, you have to name it to tame it. Okay? Now, emotions are a whole body experience. They, yeah, they, they come from distinct brain regions that light up when you're having this or that emotional experience. But we feel the emotions in our entire bodies. So when we teach our children about emotions, we are doing so using our whole bodies. So I want you to now stop for a second and remember a time when you, as an adult or as a child, felt truly afraid. I want you to take the time to do that. So if you, I, I will give you uh, uh, some explanations and, and if you need to pause this uh, episode for a second, do that, okay? Because it will be much clearer when you experience what I'm going to say. I want you to close your eyes. Don't do that if you're driving, okay? But if you can, close your eyes and imagine. Imagine the situation when you felt truly, really afraid. And what does fear feel like for you. Remember and feel the heartbeats, the sweat. What is happening in your muscles? Are they trembling? Are they too flex? All of these are hallmarks of fear. Now, do that again with another kind of emotion. Do that with happiness. Remember a time when you were truly happy. What does that feel like? Most likely, for you, it feels like uh, something light, something agile, something jumpy. There are fast heartbeats and more. Now, sometimes your emotion can feel so intense, it's hard for the body to contain them. And this is especially true for little kids because they don't know yet how to contain their emotions and how to self-regulate their emotions. This is why kids tend to break down crying for reasons that may seem so small and insignificant to us. And you know, 
it sometimes happens to us adults as well. So how can we help children handle their emotions better? We can use the power of externalization. That's a tough word, externalization. What does externalization mean? It means taking something from inside your mind and pulling it out and looking at it from a distance. So how do we do that? Well, obviously I don't mean really taking something outside of your body and your mind because you can do that, but what you can do is use the power of your brain and its imagination. And one thing that you should really know about your brain is that your brain, especially the subconscious parts of your brains, they don't really distinguish between what's true and what's imagined. This is why sometimes when you, you think about something that is scary for you, you get really scared. Even though your thinking brain knows that's not uh, real, it doesn't matter because for your subconscious mind, which pulls the strings of your emotions in that moment, it's real. It doesn't know it may better, but we can also use that to our advantage. Again, think of yourself, okay? When you have many things to do at home or at your job, okay, you can get overwhelmed, okay? You may feel like stress or, or anxiety or you may be even angry at the situation. Now, what will happen if you take a notepad and write down everything you need to do, everything, brain dump it on, on the paper and now break it down to simpler tasks and now make a plan on paper. Now, there may still be a lot of things that you have to do, but you may feel a little bit less overwhelmed, a little bit less stressed, right? That's because you externalized the, the storm inside of your, of your mind and put it on paper and now you have a fresh look at things. And when you put the distance, by externalizing, you put a distance between you and whatever is traveling for you, okay? It's easier to see a solution and it's easier to handle things. And you can do the same with your emotions and your inner uh, triggers and you can do so with your children, okay? You can ask your children to draw their demons, for example, to draw something that's scary for them, and maybe give that something a funny name, okay? And you can draw like this monster and then add, I don't know, a clown's hat or, or something funny that makes, you know, takes takes the edge off of the things. And you can do different kind of things like that in order to externalize it and make it less hurtful. Now, this is not... I didn't even get yet to tell you about how to create the story, okay? So let's talk about that. Creating a story like I did for my child when, when his mom went away uh, to a business trip is a way of externalizing the, the issue, the problem, the emotion, okay? And the point is to create a story that describes the situation that they are going to go through. Now, you don't have to be Shakespeare or, I don't know, Julia Donaldson, if you know her children's books, which are amazing, okay? It's not about literary standards. It's not about creating magnificent, uh, beautiful drawings, okay? You just have to make it fun. You can write it by hand, you can add some drawings if you feel like and you are creative enough, or you can do what I did. You can just type it up in Word and add some images you found online. That's that. And then I printed it out. But what you have to uh, remember is how to create that story. Uh, a good story for those situations 
should have three major parts. Now I'm going to describe this for you and you're gonna get that in the show notes of this episode. I'm going to create a kind of a cheat sheet for you that you can download so you can go to apparentlyparent.com forward slash 33, the numbers 33, okay? And you can get a cheat sheet and a template for creating such a story. So let's go quickly over the ingredients of such a story. The first part is about what's going on. Then you talk about what he or she may feel. And then you're going to talk about what you can do. Okay, so let's break down each one of them. And I'm going to share with you a little bit how I did that with my child uh, when his mom went away abroad. So the first part is what is going on. Okay, so in this section, you just describe the situation. Okay, and you do so in a language that your children can uh, understand. For example, uh, in a couple of months or in a couple of weeks, Johnny is going to start uh, the school year in a new school. Okay, so just tell that story. Okay, or um, Danielle is starting a new kid in kindergarten. In my case, it was about uh, next week or in a couple of weeks, mommy is going to go on a plane and travel to a different country for a week. Now, sometimes people ask me about that. You can choose to use your own child's name. I did that. Or you can make a name up, okay? I prefer using the child's name because it's closer. But some children may need even a further externalization. So using a different name or even a different gender, if you want to, may help. Now, the second part is all about what you are going to feel or may feel. Again, every situation that you go through brings up different kinds of emotions. You can never really tell what is going to happen, okay? We don't have that power yet, yeah? So you can never expect your children to know exactly what is going to happen in their emotional field. But you can teach them uh, of the possibilities. Now remember, they still don't have the mental capacities to identify and name their feelings. Again, as I've said at the beginning, I'm talking mostly about children who are two years old, three years old, four years old, even five years old. Those are the developmental stages where they learn about emotions and expressing them and naming them. So this is why we are here for, and this is why we're creating this story. So in that part of the story, you can suggest different emotions that may be relevant to the situation. Now, if you're not sure what are the quote-unquote right emotions, okay, no problem. Just imagine yourself in the situation and see what's coming up. But there are, you know, some generalized universal emotions that are most likely to come up. Because when you're preparing your child for a situation, most likely it's a negative situation. So most likely you can expect fear, sadness, and anger. Now, remember, those are merely suggestions that are supposed to open up a conversation. And they're supposed to validate the possibility of the emotion coming up. So you're telling your child that it's okay if that emotion is coming up. So, for example, in the story that I created for my child, uh, there was something like, you may feel sad and that's okay. Or you may feel angry that mommy left you for a week and that's okay. You may really miss her and that's okay. And you may even feel nothing at all and that's okay. And the last part is really important because we cannot expect our children to react emotionally in the way we think they should. I see that especially in those sorry moments when there is a death in the family and parents 
don't understand why their children aren't crying or grieving or mourning. Now, I'm sure they do. They just don't express that like you think they should. And that's okay, okay? And don't expect them to react emotionally and physically like you think they should, okay? Should is a very problematic word in parenting. So there's no right and there's no wrong here. You just show them, show them the options and you let them know that everything they feel or may not feel, it's fine. Now, the last part, of course, as I've said, is what can you do? So this is where you offer some coping mechanisms, some coping methods for your children. Now, this is really depends on the situation. So, for example, if your child has to go uh, through some surgery, okay, you can suggest some anxiety-reducing techniques, such as breathing or meditation or even, I don't know if it's suitable for young children, but self-hypnosis and games and, and things like that. Okay? In my case, it was an easier situation because, you know, mommy's abroad and you're with me, so we can uh, take pictures and send them to mommy, we can talk with mommy on the phone or, or over video, uh, we can prepare a gift to give her when she comes back. So, you know, that was easier. But think about different coping methods that your children can use and just, you know, put them in the book. Just share them in the book. Now, you will be there to help your child implement that when time comes. But now you're only preparing your child. And by giving your child then the notion that something that may be troubling for him may happen. Oh, no, it's going to happen, but it may be troubling for him. But that's fine. And there's something to do about that. So it's going to be okay. This is the message you want your child to get and internalize. And this is going to make your child feel a lot better. A lot, a lot, a lot better. So to conclude, in this episode, we talked about one way, one simple and beautiful way that we can help our children cope with uh, changes. Okay? Whatever change is about to come, something that you can foresee, something that you can prepare your child for. We talked about the power of externalization and why it's so important, especially with little kids, to teach them about emotions and the emotional language. And you can do so by creating a simple story that they can use. Okay? And that story has three major parts. You're going to talk about what is going on and what is going to happen. You're going to talk about what they may feel and you validate those feelings. And you're going to talk about what they can do. And that's that. And what I did, I created that story. As I've said, it's really simple. I created it over in a Word document with some simple pictures that I found online. I printed it out maybe even in black and white, and, and that's that. I binded it nicely and reread it a couple of times with his mom before she went to, to London. I read it with him, she read it with him, I read it with him when she was uh, abroad. And it really helped to create a, a nice, positive, emotional bridge in a period of time that, you know, his mom is abroad for a week, it's nothing really dramatic, but it can be troubling in that age, and it really helped him cope with that. And you can also use that for things that are really more dramatic. For example, going into surgery, moving to a different city, and other things like that. Now, if you want my simple cheat sheet and template for creating such a story, 
no worries, I got you covered. Go to apparentlyparent.com forward slash 33, the numbers 33. These are the show notes of this episode, and uh, you can download it from there. And if you create such a story for your children, please share it uh, in, in your social media, in your Instagram account uh, or Facebook, and, and please tag me. Tag me uh, on Instagram, just tag at apparentlyparent, one word. I would love to see those uh, stories coming out and, and hearing from you uh, if it helped and how it helped and, and what did you create because this is such a lovely thing that we can do for our children that's it for today if you have enjoyed this episode if you found it helpful please share it with your friends and also subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts on and every thursday there's a new episode and I, i'm really hoping to see you again next thursday with a fresh new episode of the apparently parent podcast I'll see you then. Have a wonderful weekend. Have a healthy weekend. Take care. Bye-bye.